This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm in a series entitled An Autumn Breeze in the Psalms. And I'll let you know early on that this series is a little different than any of the others that we have recently had. I'm approaching this series as though we were in a giant counseling session. And if you could imagine yourself in my office, uh, as I have spent so much time in the last two weeks counseling people uh, on various issues, and uh, was even able to do a little bit of it last night in the activity. And I thought about, it would be such a, a good thing, Lord, if you lay some sermons on my heart, bring some things to my mind that could speak volumes to everybody at one time. And I know the word goes out in such a way because some people are going to take it on stony ground, some people are going to take it uh, in on the good ground, some people are going to take it in different ways. I, I, I get that. But I said, Lord, if, if we could just corral everybody for this season, for such a time as this, and uh, give me some word. Lord, give me scripture. Give me something that would help our people uh, to make another mile, uh, to make it around the next corner. And so this message particularly today is, in fact, a teaching sermon. It's a counseling sermon. But I hope that... In it will be, be more than that. I hope it will be a message of encouragement. And that's what I find in this series all in itself. But I want today's teaching in the Word to be a series of encouragement. So I want you to think about that as we get into the Word. And I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Psalms 121. And they will get these scriptures on the screen for you. And that's what I have entitled uh, our, our time together today in the Word. We're on a journey. And I want us to think about this. I think that there's a lot that can be said in today's message that uh, would speak to a lot of hearts in, in, in different capacities, in different ways. And that's my goal. That's my, my prayer. In Psalms 121, and I want to read for you verses 1 through 8, and by the way, I think this is a well-familiarized psalm. I think we have read this and we have referred to this many times in our lives before. But maybe today there are going to be some things said that maybe you've not pondered uh, in depth, and I don't have a whole lot of time to, to take this to the bottom of the ocean, but I think there are things that we can say today that will help everybody in general. Uh, for such a time as this. I want to begin reading in verse number 1 of Psalms chapter 121. The scripture says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. And we're very familiar with that verse. It's just like we're very familiar with John 3.16, but I wonder how many are familiar with John 17 and 18. We're very familiar with verse 1. But let's move on to that. 
Verse 2, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And so this morning I'm going to speak on this subject. We're on a journey. So many of the Psalms are written to remind us as believers that we are on a journey. And that's what I want you to keep in mind today, that we are on a journey. Although we feel at times that we're just wandering through a hot, barren desert with no direction. It's just one day after another and it all begins to become monotonous. But here's the thing that I want to rest in your heart today and let it land, let it settle, that this journey that we are on does have a destination. God is not leading us around a mulberry bush. God is not leading us on a wild goose chase. God is not leading us blindfolded. As Brother Brian, Sister Rhea saying so well just a moment ago, thank God for Beulah Land. There is a destination. And so I want that to land in your heart today. The Bible clearly teaches us that we are not wanderers. And you have to get this today. We're not wanderers, but we are pilgrims. And we're on a journey. The church of the living God is moving us closer and closer to the finish line every single day. I was saying last night, I have said it before, we were talking about this. Uh, If you're wondering about the conflicts of the world that's going on right now, uh, I believe firmly that we have already entered World War III. That's where we are right now. We're already there. And the majority of the countries that will be coming against Israel in the battle of Armageddon, if you read in Ezekiel chapter 38, the only one that's not running their mouth right now is Germany. Everyone else is. And so as we think about that, and we know that doesn't take place until seven years after the rapture, So think about how close we are to heaven. Every day that we live and breathe, God is moving us closer and closer to the finish line where we will hear the words come up hither, where we will hear the trumpet sound. And so the thing that I want you to be wrapping your hearts around today is this, that as Christian people, we are on a journey. We're not wanderers, we're pilgrims. That means this, that we're just passing through. We're on the move. Now, it would be a terrible disappointment if if this earth was all that there was, wouldn't it? 
But we thank God for heaven. In fact, let me say this. As it is true that every born-again believer is on a journey and we are all passing through, we're not here to stay. I want you to understand that it works the same way for lost people as well. As born-again people, we are on our journey to heaven. The lost, the unredeemed of this world, they are on a journey. They are on their way to hell. Now you stop and think about this just for a minute. Everybody is going to be somewhere forever. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, according to the Word of God, He defines an individual Christless as lost, a person who has no hope. Our hope is not in the world. Our hope is in Jesus. And thank God as believers... On this journey that we're on, here's the blessing. As believers, we're all headed to the same place. Every one of us. There is no upper class heaven. There is no middle class heaven. There is no lower class heaven. We are all headed as born again, blood washed, redeemed children of God. We are all headed to the same place. That glorious city of God. I'm glad that heaven, by the way, listen is going to be big enough for all of us. All of us who are saved, it's going to be big enough for all of us. As Christians, we have a promise of that special place. And thank God heaven is not a figment of imagination. It's not just a dream. It's not a warm and fuzzy thought. Jesus said, I go and prepare you a place. And if I go and prepare you a place, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So thank God for that. It's going to be a great day when we all get to heaven. Brother David led the song so well this morning. Here's the truth about this journey that we're on. Some of us, and some of us have already. Some of us will get there early. But thank God, none of us as believers will get there late. If you don't understand that, think about it for a while. Some will get there early, but none of us will get there late. I will tell you, and it pains me as a pastor, one of the the, the hardest things of my ministry, and I've shared this many, many times, one of the most difficult things that I do as a pastor is to stand here before the coffin or the casket of one of our brothers and sisters. It it pains me to see us going one at a time. That's a very difficult thing for me. I mean, everybody that attends funerals here in our church, and you're coming to pay your respects to the family, the friends uh, of this loved one who has departed. Uh, I get all of that. And, and I know that your sympathies are extended towards these families and these tender moments as well. I understand all of that. And, and, and when one hurts, we all hurt. But I tell you folks, it's a, it's a different thing to stand here and preach the funeral of our brothers and sisters. I, my heart quivers. I, my legs tremble. 
I have done that with my own family members. One of the most heartbreaking things, I, I think, for pastors to plan the funeral, sit down with the family and plan the funeral for a friend or family member. But I thank God, listen, that we do not, as believers, have to weep as though we have no hope. Thank God our hope is in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14, Paul said it this way, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And when that takes place, thank God the promise of Scripture is that we will be united, reunited with our loved ones forevermore. Never to be separated again. But until then, listen, we have got to walk the road that's set before us. And this is where it really becomes personalized this morning because this is the thought that I want you to dwell upon today. Though the destination as believers for our eternal heavenly souls, though our destination is the same place, we are all going to the same heaven. We are all going to be serving the same Jesus. And there's going to be room for all of us. Though the destination is the same, here's the truth that I want you to think about today. The journey of getting there may be quite different. Now, please think with me this morning because I'm not in any way suggesting to you that there are multiple ways to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's not what I'm talking about. There's only one way to get to this destination that we're all headed for. And we're all on the journey. But our journey, our journey may be different. I don't believe anybody's journey can be the same. Now, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not only does he write our names in the Lamb's Book of Life, but also according to Scripture, as a believer, he now designs a path for us to walk. He has for every believer ordered steps. In fact, let me give you the scripture in Psalms 37, verse 23. The Bible says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So here is the thing. God has a different plan. He has a different purpose in all of our lives. It's not the same. Now, God can work the same, but it's just like that we are all beautifully, wonderfully created for the workmanship of God. All of us do not play the piano. All of us do not play the drums. All of us do not sing. All of us do not preach. But God has gifted us all in certain ways that he takes a congregation like this. He takes a group of people like this, and we have many talents. We have many abilities and capabilities. And God takes all of that, he puts it all together and he forms a church. He forms a body. He, he forms a congregation. And we're, we're all busy like little ants moving forward and fast doing all of our 
stuff that he has gifted us and that he's called us to do. But here is the thing. Though we're all going to the same Jesus, to the same heaven, our path, our experiences, our journey in this life are going to be different. I mean, some people are going to have raging rivers to cross in their life. Some are going to have overwhelming mountains to climb. Some are going to have barren deserts to cross, and some are going to have unprecedented storms to face, troubles and trials like no other brother or sister that perhaps you know of. And here's the other thing. Some of us will die on this earth, as the Scripture says, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment if the Lord tarries is coming, and some of us may be alive. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Some of us may be alive when the rapture takes place. It's an ordered step of God. Everybody's journey is not the same. We're going to the same place. But our steps, our travels, our miles may encompass a world of different things. And so when you think about that and the way that God has designed all of this, I want you to understand that it's not necessarily true that a man's journey is comparable to the other. We all are accountable for ourselves. The Bible says we must all give an account of ourselves at the judgment seat of Christ. Many times on our journey, I want you to think about this, out of nowhere, there comes unexpected curves and slopes and drop-offs and places where it seems that the, that the pavement of life has just ended, where life seems to have turned into a hard, stony ground. And it's in these difficult places of our journey that we need to recognize that there's never a day in our life where we do not need God. Don't ever get to the place where you think you've got this. Don't ever think you get to a place where you say to God for a split second, I don't need you, Lord, in this. I've got this. Don't ever say, Jesus, I've got the wheel. Always say, Jesus, take the wheel. Don't ever get to the place where you feel like you've got it. None of us can take on life and survive a second without God. In fact, the word says this in John 15, 5. He said, without me, you can do nothing. We know we can trust God in the pleasantries of our life. We know we can trust God in the sunny meadows of our life. And thank God for the good times. Thank God for the sunny days. Not every day is a blizzard. Not every day is rough and rocky. We know we can trust God on the mountain. But sometimes when our journey curves a bit, and takes a different route. Perhaps it puts our faith in question. And we begin to doubt God or we begin to question God. I'm talking about when times come upon us, perhaps that it affects our health. And when our health takes a leap off a cliff, or perhaps it's in the financial stress and emotion of our life when our bills are behind or when your family is in turmoil. All of these things in life's journey can happen to us in the blink of an eye. I, I, I cannot get out of my mind the horrific storm of 
September the 7th. Do you remember October the 7th, whenever it was there? You lost your your house, basically, Brother Paul. I remember that horrific night when the cabin here was demolished. And think about that. Up until that afternoon, there were sunny skies out there. And in the blink of an eye, your, your home was demolished. I, I think about these things how, out of nowhere. These things creep up on our... And, and it works like that spiritually too. Not only physically, not only emotionally, but spiritually as well. And when it happens, let me encourage you to do something. When you're on this journey and things out of the blue just seem to penetrate the most somber places that you have in your heart and your life. Everything goes haywire all at once. Let me encourage you to do something. First, fall on your knees to the Lord. But let me ask you, if you're going to reach for a word in Scripture, you can find many times of comfort in the Psalms. And here in Psalms 121, the psalmist, he is saying this. He lifts up his eyes to the hills above, and he sees the one who is not only the destination of the journey, but also he sees the one who is the strength for every single step of the journey along the way to the destination. And here's what I'd like for you to remember this morning, that in spite of all the winding roads that we take and perilous times we encounter along the way, the Bible gives us full assurance that we can trust the Lord. God, you know this, this is so elementary, but we can trust him in every single step we take. He has proven himself over and over to be trustworthy to us. And this is a wonderful spiritual truth. And if you have something to write on this morning, I think it would be good for you to retain this, for you to remember this. And this is precious. And I hope that you will never get over this. It's something I'd like for you to remember. And that is this, God is never too big to care. And no matter who we are, we are never too small for him to stop caring. Now, if you write that down and you look at it, it becomes precious to you. God is never too big to care. And we are never too small for him to stop caring. Here's another great spiritual truth for your heart today, and that is this. The Bible never lies to us about claiming life is easy for any Christian who is on this journey. In fact, the the word is, is absolutely perfectly clear. When we take the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior, listen carefully, it doesn't give us a discount plan when we sign up to be a Christian, when we take upon the name of Christ, when we become a born-again Christian, there, there are no heavenly discount cards coming back at us saying, hey, you, you get out of storms free here. You get out of trials free. That's not how it works. We think that sometimes. God, why is, me, why, why is it me that I feel that I always have this, this problem? Or these troubles or trials? God, give me a reprieve just for a little while. And there's nothing wrong to pray those prayers. But God may have a different plan and purpose for your life. We don't always know what it is. Pray for it. God, show me in this storm what you would have me to see. What would you have me to learn? 
There are never any promised shortcuts to bypass the dangers, the toils, the snares that are fixed between earth and heaven. So keep that in mind. But one thing is for sure when you think about it in this journey, and that is this, with every single mile that we travel, no matter what comes our way, whether like we talked about last week in disruptions or interruptions, we have the undisputable promise that God, he will never leave us nor forsake us. What we all have to remember is, and we praise God for this, is that this life is not all that there is. I look out in the congregation today and I see many different circumstances. And there are those that I see today whose life has been affected where it probably will not ever rejuvenate to be back to where it was. I've, I, there are many people here today I know I have known you when you have been in perfect health. And there are some people here today whose health has been significantly impaired. That there are those I look out across the congregation today and I see that there were situations in your life where things were totally different and now they're completely different and they may not go ever back this way again. And there's so many circumstances and, and my mind, I, when I, when I do the counseling that I do and I talk to people on a regular basis and all of these stories and situations and things that that people are dealing with. And I'm praying constantly, Lord, please intervene in this life. Do something here. Speak a word here. Show God, uh, show them, Lord, that you are God, that you are on the throne. Here's the thing. We, you have to keep this in mind. And that is this, that we're on a journey to an eternal celestial city. We're all going to the same place, serving the same Jesus, being led by the same Holy Spirit, but he has numbered, he has ordered our steps, and our steps to there may be incredibly different. There are a couple of things that I recognize today, and I want you to focus on them as well. I'm going to give you four things real quickly here. I promise I'll be done in a minute, but I want you to look at this. If you're looking at your bulletin, your outline today, none of us can make this journey victoriously on our own. And I put a footnote to that, so don't even try. Don't even try. Psalms 121 verse 2 says this, My help cometh from who? What does the word say? The Lord. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. You see, our God is not simply a God. And if you lose perspective on that, it may not give you the fortitude that you need to keep praying through this curvy road in your life. He's not just a God. He is the only God. That's important. He is the God who has made everything. Not only is he the God who has made everything, he is the Lord God who sustains everything. He is God who has everything according to the word under his feet. You may need the scripture in your life right now. Colossians chapter one, verse 16 and 17. For by him, God, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
All things, look at that, folks, underline it. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So I want you to hold on to this truth. One day when you feel that life, and it may be today, you feel that life is pulling you under, remember the one that you are calling out to is the one who who made the heavens and the earth. You are not calling out to a bunch of lucky stars. God is not a lotto ticket that you scratch in the time of trouble and hope you hit the jackpot. That's not how it works. Sometimes I think we treat God that way. You're not calling out to a pig in a poke when your journey has taken you into the chilly dark waters of life and you feel like you're about ready to take your last breath. Here's what you need to do. You need to take a deep breath and you need to fall on your knees and you need to lift up your eyes unto the hills and you need to hold on to this blessed truth. The one you're calling out to is the one who has created and who sustains every Adam on this universe, the one who has promised to walk every single mile with you. Number two, on our journey, we're never out of his sight. The enemy may make you think that at times. In Psalms 121 verse 3, look at this. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He will, or he that keepeth thee will not slumber. No matter what you're going through today, God has never and will never take his eyes off of his children. He will not do it. Now, the enemy may make you think that God has abandoned you, but I promise you, according to the integrity of Scripture, God will never do that. And I'm so thankful that as a child of God, I can never, ever get my place, even when I walk out of his will. And you might say, well, preacher, as a Christian, can we get out of the will of God? You better believe you can. That's a terrible place to be in because many times the Holy Spirit is speaking along the way. He's doing everything. Hey, you better turn around. You get better get back. We keep moving this way. Hey, I told you, and you keep moving this way. Something's going to happen. You, you keep moving this way. Listen, if God put a pig pen in the, in the pathway of the prodigal, he certainly knows how to put a pig pen in our life. And if it takes a pig pen to turn us around, to motivate us back into God's will, God will do it. So you think about this. In Mark 6, verse 45, I want to read through verse 48. And straightway he constrained, most we're familiar with this story. He constrained his disciples to get in the ship and to go to the other side before and to Bathsheba. But while, while he sent away the people, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And look at verse, these first four words in verse number 48, and he saw them. I've got that underlined in my Bible. He's, now listen, did, did that storm come as a surprise to Jesus? You have to remember something. He sent him in a boat. He sent him in a ship. He said, you go there, I'm going here. You go out there, I'm going up to the mountain to pray. He knew all the while that at some point, the storm was going to blow. These disciples were going to be out there going crazy. Look at this. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, and he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. 
The Bible says in verse 48 that Jesus saw them toiling. I mean, they were rowing themselves into a royal fit. They were scared out of their mind. And by the way, it works like that in our life as well. But the thing that I want you to remember is this, that God is consumed with us. We're not part-time people with God. He's totally consumed with us. We will never, ever be out of his sight. And here's another truth. And we will never, ever be out of his reach. Never out of his sight and never out of his reach. Each one of us have become very personalized with God. You might say, well, does, does, does God really know me like that? Does God, am I a personalized person in, in, in his a divinity and his kingdom and his holiness? In Matthew 10, 30, I think it sums it all up for us, just how personal we are with him. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. When you have them, when you don't have them, they were or are all numbered. Amen. Now, if God is up to date with the number of hairs on our head, I can assure you that he's up to date with the struggles of your journey. You might say, preacher, I'm going through something right now that is shaking the very core of the foundation of my world. Listen to this. No matter what you may feel has turned your life upside down right now, and those of you that are watching at home, I want you to get this truth as well. Whatever season of life you're in, you're saying, man, I have been through it. I'm going through it. My world is turned upside down. Here's the truth. God has not stumbled across that. Nothing that you will ever go through will ever take God by surprise. So he's not stumbling on these what we call unfortunate things. In fact, look at Psalms 121 verse 3 again. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. So no matter what's going on in your life, God is never out of touch. Nobody will ever have to alert God as to what you're going through. He will never have to be informed he never sleeps. He never takes a day off. He's never out to lunch. God has his eyes on all of us, regardless what time of day, what time of night it is. And that's what Psalms 121 verse 5 and 6 is teaching us. Look at the scripture again. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Now notice those words, shade and right hand. I want you to hold your place here just for a minute and go to Psalms 98. Turn back to the left just for a little bit. Don't lose your place here in Psalms 121, but I want you to see something precious. In Psalms 98, 1, the Bible says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. Look at this. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Now, by the way, the scriptures repeatedly speak of the right hand of God in relationship to his omnipotent power. And in Psalms 121, verse 5 and 6, and, and you look at this again, if you will, 
The Bible says this, the Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. And so we're protected both day and night by the powerful, omnipotent right hand of God. Can somebody say amen? amen. Number three, and I want to ask our musicians to come forward. God not only protects us on this journey, but this may be the most precious part of it all. He not only protects us, but he preserves us. There's a purpose in everything you're going through. There's a reason for everything that you're going through. Everything that's happening in your life, there is a purpose for it. There is a reason for it. It may be something that you have self-inflicted upon yourself. God will show you and teach you. God will not leave you illiterate as a born-again child of God. He will not do that. Let me explain this to you. In verse 7 and 8 of Psalms 121, The Lord shall preserve them from all from evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So first the psalmist says that we are protected from evil. And whatever the devil may decide, whatever the enemy may choose to do to us, in the way of affliction, in the way of attacking our faith, in the way of coming against us in the realms of doubt. Listen, no matter what the enemy may do in your life, always remember this, that God is greater than the devil. Greater is he that is in me, 1 John 4, 4, than he that is in the world. Never forget this undisputable truth. And I think if you get this, it will help you with everything else we've talked about this morning. Bad things do happen to good people. Don't lose track of that. And bad things happen to saved people. Nothing exempts us from that, but no matter what happens, we are never outside of God's personal supervision. Nothing is ever beyond his control. And the psalmist says that God will preserve our very existence. God is not going to let our life end when we draw our last breath on this earth. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Because when we draw our last breath on this earth, God doesn't put a period behind our story. When we draw our last breath on this earth, God puts a comma behind our story. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? He puts a comma there because what he is saying is, and the best is yet to come. We are all eternal creatures of God, every single one of us. All of us have been created in his likeness and in his image. All of us have a soul. All of us will be somewhere forever. But in Jesus Christ, he, God, is the keeper of our eternal existence. He will not only guard our soul in this life, as a believer, the enemy cannot penetrate. He cannot take your soul. He can take your joy. He can take your peace. He can take your comfort. He can take those things that are, that, yes, precious to us. He can take all, but he cannot take your soul in this life as a believer. And praise God, that works 
in eternity as well. He not, look, listen. Write this down. God not only loved us enough to send Jesus to a cross to die for us, but he loves us enough that he wants to spend eternity with us. Now, can you, can you fathom the Almighty having a desire? Every time he looks at Jesus, you know what he sees? He sees scars in the hands of the Lord. He sees scars in his feet. He sees a scar in his riven side. And it reminds everybody in heaven, every time they look at the Savior, of the mission that he was sent on this earth to do. God looks at Jesus continually. He sees the blood. He sees the scars. And he says and he chooses for whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will may come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God goes beyond that and he says, and you know what? You can come to my house and you can live with me forever. You can feast at my table. You can sit at my feet forever. So remember, he not only loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us, but he loves us enough to want to spend eternity with us. When I think about this and the journey that we're on, when the storms of life come our way and we're rocked with rivers of tears, God God may have a different plan for this one and that one and this one and this one. Journeys are different. But the Bible gives us the blessed comfort that we can lift our eyes into the hills and we can call upon his name. I'm so glad for that last thing that says nothing can separate from his, separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. So here's the thing. The world right now is in a bad spot. Jesus is definitely on his way back, thank God Almighty. But until the trumpet sounds, we may have, we may have to go through some stuff. But keep this in mind. We're not wanderers. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. There's a brighter day coming. One of these days, whoever the song leader is up there will say now to the chorus of heaven, everybody stand and let's sing it one more time. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem. Maybe somebody starts screaming and shouting. 
acting a little Pentecostal. <laughs> Praise God. Bring forth the royal diadem. Maybe somebody said, I've got one. I want to give it to him. And somebody might just come doing a hallelujah spell right down on the golden street of heaven running as fast as they can and saying, I got one too. I, and somebody might say, I've got a one too. And before you know it, we're laying these crowns and the rewards at his feet and we're saying, thank you, Lord, Jesus, for saving my soul. Oh. And that song leader may say, and crown him King of kings and Lord of all. Well, there's an old song that says this, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One glimpse of his dear face and all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race. You know, we got a, we got a congregation over there. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Somebody's asked me many times, people through the years, do you think our loved ones can see us? Our loved ones in heaven, do you think they can see us? I believe they can. Now, I don't believe that God allows them to see our failures and our hurts and our problems and our sorrows because if he did, that, listen, that heaven be a depressed place. But I believe with all of my heart that God allows from time to time in his will and his purpose. I think God will just roll back the curtain and he might say to your loved one, hey, look down there, look down there. The Bible says we're compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. And I believe there's a grandstand in heaven that's cheering us on. Hey, run the race. It's worth it all. And if that's not true, and I find that that's not true when I get there, it sure inspired me a little bit down here. <laughs> Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.